0: says New York City from the ground up I'm here filming episode number two with a dear friend of mine Lou Madigan uh, Lou is a longtime colleague of uh, Mad- Madigan development uh, Lou and I met long time ago 16 years ago when the rezoning of Williamsburg was, at, That's right. was at its uh, infancy stage yes. uh, Lou actually came into my office right here where we are and interviewed me for uh, a project which uh, got built, big success. Uh, then, a few years later, built the second one, which is another great success. Uh, Lou was an uh, integral part of the vision, the site, location, dealing with the architects, acting as the owner, uh, and the capacity of uh, a beautiful uh, condo building. So, Lou, we fast forward, you know? Times have changed, my friend. Yes. Times have changed, and uh, we've done other developments with your team uh, in a different in a different role. Um, but we're here today to talk about the challenges. Yes. Because today, there the the four twenty one A has uh, been uh, halted for new construction. We do have a current program that goes out to twenty twenty six. A lot of buzz. Uh, developers are uncomfortable with the interest rates and uh, trying to make the projects feasible. So we have a lot of permits, but we're not sure a lot of them are going to get built. So um, knowing that you have a uh, vibrant uh, personality and uh, I believe that you would be... A great person, and that's why I asked you to come on to our second show, uh, to talk a little bit about, you know, the challenges of this 421A, to talk a little bit about office to residential conversion, which seems to be a very hot topic. So um, you're in Manhattan, you're always looking at sites. Tell us what's going on.
1: Well, we're doing development on seven sites currently. And given the current financial market and regulatory environment when it comes to rentals, we mostly develop rentals. Um, the future of New York is Jersey City, hundred percent. Because right now it is impossible, impossible to develop rental product in New York City that makes any money, unless you bought the land in the nineteen seventies and you're you know converting up and you're 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 putting the land in for nothing.
0: Correct. I mean, I I I've been hearing the same vibe that companies that were strictly New York City builders. Uh, Big organizations uh, that have thousands and thousands of apartments have always built in New York City. And now they're in D.C., they're in Philly, they're in Jersey, they're in Nashville. They just basically, I hate to say it this way, but they packed up their bags and left.
1: That's right. It, it, the the rent, the rent reform that happened in 2019, which made it impossible to recoup investments you make in an apartment in the rent of the next right. tenant, right? Correct. Not with the person who's living there. But when that tenant leaves and another tenant comes in, that you get to recoup the investments you've made to improve the building, has made it impossible to make money by owning, you know, acquiring existing housing stock and improving it, which has been a, a major part of New York City's business
0: for From the generation past... generation
1: to generation. That's right, except the 1970s when people burned their buildings down mm-hmm. On because yeah. you couldn't collect enough rent to cover the taxes, right? And if we... If New York keeps in the direction it's going... We're going to be back there. We're going to be back there. You know, there is a housing crisis. We should be building affordable housing. I've been building affordable housing since 2006. Correct. And to make it... To to create a situation where you can't really make money on market rate housing, and there's... And with my support, de Blasio... Implemented mandatory inclusionary housing. We have a mandatory inclusionary housing Absolutely site in Soho. It. Happy to do it. We built 111 Varick, which is a few blocks away from there, with awesome inclusionary project. housing. Awesome project. And to to have mandatory inclusionary housing, where you're losing money forever, right? So you're correct. You're you're being forced at 25 percent of building, the units you're you're you build. You're building apartments for the city for free. That's right. And you're going to lose, and it, and the rent you collect, twenty six dollars a square foot, does not cover. The, the the operating costs to keep the building lit and, and heated and then you take away the tax abatement for which you're supposed to, to make it affordable, affordable to build that right. uh, that affordable housing which you are now mandatorily required to build now makes it impossible to build any residential housing.
0: i'd like to piggyback on something that you said lou um on the very first episode, we talked about relationships. We talked about relationships in New York City and how they work and what it means to have clients for a long period of time. And I had a we have a we had a client who owns a lot of apartments in New York City. And we used to file two to three apartments a month where someone would move out, they would spend 80000 dollars 100000 dollars in the apartment, and they would renovate it, and then they would recoup their rents going forward as you said as part of the you know the 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 two thousand and nineteen when they when they cut that the the rent uh, they adjusted the rent stabilization and, and all of that and I remembered something that was very interesting to me that the gentleman called me in and apologized to me. I said, What why would you apologize? He says I'm apologizing to everyone for the last 30 years that has helped my family renovate these apartments because I can't give you any more work. I can't give the architect any more work. I can't give the engineer any more work. I have crews that go from apartment to apartment. Their dads worked for my dad. Their kids work for me, and I have to let them all go because we're not going to spend $100,000 on every apartment to get a $60 raise in rent. It, it's just... The law doesn't make sense right. for, for for them. There is a housing crisis in the city. <laughs> oh, and every day, the last seminar I was at uh, Biz Now to give them a plug, they, they talked about that every day that goes by. We're in the deficit by thousands of apartments. That's right. So we started at four hundred twenty-five thousand a few months ago. The other day, I pick up the the
1: one of the one of the, uh, one of the uh, papers. Uh, And in the magazine, they're talking that we're at 550 already. The problem is that, and again, as a New York Democrat, as a progressive, I founded a community health center. We provide primary care to 6,600 people, anyone who walks in the door without regard to ability to pay or legal status. I'm I'm not just in it for the money, right? Right. I I believe in, in the public good. Absolutely. But right now, it is New York Democrats who believe the whole conversation about housing is about price controls. That the the problem with housing is price controls. There aren't enough price controls. And I remember once seeing de Blasio on Morning Joe one day saying, as mayor, I wish I could set the rent of every apartment in New York City. Are you nuts? (laughs) Yeah. And he's already setting the rent for probably half the apartments in New York City. Correct. And... And you're destroying housing. And if you if there was a shortage of milk, someone might say we should get more cows. Well, I, you know, but the, right, that's not the mindset no. of, of New York Democrats. New York Democrats if there's a shortage of housing, we should just have price controls because that'll solve everything.
0: And 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 the the part that I, the part that I don't understand as you know being in an expediter, being in the code and zoning, the city is very difficult to navigate to begin with. Yes, correct. So that's always. A problem to begin with. Then you want developers to come into a place where they're not at times d- construction friendly. No, right. And then you're asking them to build apartments for free. What? What person? What bank is going to give people money for them to lose? That's it right. just it, it it just defeats the whole purpose of what you're trying to accomplish. So right now, since June, we we used to probably read eight to 10 RFPs a month for new buildings in the affordable market rate world. We have given out probably two new buildings for apartments that are only condominiums. High end, expensive, beautiful locations. will do nothing to solve the, the
1: affordable housing crisis that what's standing in the way of more housing being available in SoHo there was a SoHo rezoning right yeah. that that made residential housing in SoHo available available made right. it legal to develop right and you can uh, you know in some of the areas a 10 FAR right so you could we could create some real quality sure new housing ten, ten, ten is- mandatory inclusionary so 25% of every unit is going to be inclusionary ultra low, low low income right so we're talking about half those units are going to go to the homeless or near homeless. Wow. No joke, right? This is, why is no one building? Because there's a lawsuit from white liberals in Soho trying to prevent it from pay, from being implemented. Right, because right. they, don't, they don't want to have their neighborhood transformed. Right. And the city, as part of the rezoning, made people who were living in illegal housing have to pay a fee to make it legal housing. Right. And they're their lawsuit claims that they shouldn't have to pay that fee, and the whole thing is is improper because we've been living in our illegal housing for decades. Right. And even though you're offering to make it legal now, you know we shouldn't have to pay for it. We should get our ill-gotten gain for free right. at no cost, and 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 we should keep it. Well, I, I have a question for you. So, you know, I I keep reading about you know the office
0: to residential conversion, and. It's funny that the very few that we've looked at here at Design that developers have brought to us, to me, has nothing to do with affordable housing. No. The the ones that I looked at are in incredibly beautiful neighborhoods in midtown Manhattan or, you know, Upper East Side, um, where there were some old office buildings. And they want to convert them to, you know, very expensive, beautiful loft buildings.
1: You know, or loft. Type. I feel attacked. No, no, no. No, I'm because I'm. We're doing that. Well, <laughs> we're one well, of those and, people. And, yes. And,
0: and 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 I can't. I'm not blaming the developer. Right. I'm all for it. If you have a vacant office building that's going to sit there and be an eyesore and people can live in it, we we should. Every every square footage of building should be utilized for a purpose. In my mind, that's. Sure. That's that's what we want to promote here. And in there's New York. 90
1: million square feet of unoccupied right. offices also, in New, in New York City today. 90 million square feet. Correct. That's like so, hun- hundreds and hundreds of football fields of unoccupied office uh, space right now.
0: And 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 we all see it because every time I go visit a client, I walk in the lobby and there's a big sign that says space available, right? <laughs> yes. And then I leave there and I walk around the corner and I see commercial space on the first floor available everywhere all you know over the city. it's it's all over the place so you know one of the things that when i look at this and i read about it it seems like there's this idea that these office buildings are going to get converted to affordable housing do you see incentives in there that will promote that
1: no, for without 421A, again, there's there's no tax abatement to create affordable housing. So there's no way you can convert an empty hotel or an empty office building into affordable housing. And it, make it work. so,
0: besides the 421A program, there's no other programs that would incentivize.
1: That's it, right? correct. There's no other programs to that incentivize to me it.
0: that. To me, that that so so again, where where as a developer, as an entrepreneur, how how do you? How do you do that where you can help give back affordable housing if there's no incentives, if you've got to foot the whole bill? How, how does that work?
1: It doesn't. You can look at red states and blue states, and you know housing is cheaper in red states. And you say, well, why is that? Maybe because there's less people in red states. And that's true. There are less people in red states. Okay. But that's not the only reason, right? Because there's plenty of people in Florida, plenty of people of Texas. Right. It's that when people show up and they want to live there, someone can build them a house. And real estate developers, given their natural tendencies, would build till they put themselves out of business. Right. And we all know what will make rents go down: empty apartments. And in the middle of the pandemic, we had tens of thousands so of, of empty, empty apartments in New York, York City, and the rents tanked. Yes, no doubt. There's, there, believe it or not, supply and demand works in the housing market. It's amazing, isn't it's it? It's amazing how that's true, right? <laughs> so and so, if you so, how office buildings are a particular challenge. Right, many of them, most of them, are built on a density right. that is illegal for 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 residential housing. Correct. Because the maximum residential density in New York City is a 10 FAR, 12 with affordable housing, right. and the maximum commercial density is 15 right. and can be even higher. Correct. Right. And so, if you were to take a, an office building, which, and then try to convert it to residential, you're Typically, the dimensions are not correct. Correct. Right? Because office you don't buildings have are built. In there. That's right. Office buildings are built deeper. Right. And when we build residential buildings, they're typically not more than 70 to 75 feet wide. Right. So you have two 30-foot deep apartments and in a corridor going between them. Right. But office buildings are often built 100 feet deep. There's a lot right. of 100 by 100 office buildings in New York City, and they're too deep. They don't have the right elevators, right? And right. they don't have the right lobby and... And if and and they're oversized, right? right? So you'd end up having to shave off large well, sections it, of the building, you know, and, and, to make and, them work, and which means you're not saving any money, right? So right. it's going to cost you the same amount to to renovate an office building into roughly the same amount renovate an office building into residential as it would to build it from the ground up. Correct. And so it, the same economics are at place. If you want affordable housing in these office buildings, then You you need to change the law and make an incentive to do it.
0: So, Lou, back in the day, you know, when I first started, there was a section in the multiple dwelling law that was a really incredible piece. And our office became, I wouldn't say experts, but we were a really good, good, solid firm. That firms came to us and said, look, I got a commercial building. There was Article 7B. We were able to take and do what they called a loft conversion. But really, in reality, it was a commercial building to an apartment and there those laws were written a long time ago and when this whole concept of converting offices to residential the first thing that hit my mind was i read those sections of the multiple dwelling law over and over and how they gave us concessions right yes. that you you could use a lot line window as long as it had a sprinkler you could we could use a stair again if you if you put concrete, you know, if you poured a Q deck over this, you can get an extra rating. If you rated the side walls, they gave you options to promote it. Yes. So now you're looking at this huge office building, and I and I once asked the developer this recently. I said, "So we have a big square tower that goes straight up for thirty floors. How are we going to get light in there without drilling a core right down the middle to make to make an inner court?" And when you start to think of it that way, then you say to yourself, well, how are they going to demo it? they got to demo it down the building and out. The cost is astronomical. Correct. And then once you open it up, when was it built? How much asbestos is in it? How much lead is in it? What's here? What's there? You know, it it sounds like this great concept of reusing the, the frame. But in reality, when you go to apply
1: the 2022 code,
0: it's gonna cost you three times as much.
1: We 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 looking at a property right now, which we're you know looking to acquire an, an empty office building from business that went out of business, had, you know an owner occupied office building that closed their business, and you know we think we're saving roughly fifty dollars a foot. Between building ground up, we started over and built from the ground up, as opposed to renovating the building. That's yeah, there. But,
0: but you're assuming that without any hidden surprises. Correct. Once, exactly right. Once you open it that's up, and correct. then now all of a sudden one little thing goes wrong, and and that fifty dollars a square foot gets you know cut down to forty dollars a square
1: foot. And it, it but you see, it's it, it it's there's from a developer perspective, it's almost worth it because when we're building ground up, right, our greatest risks are in the soil. Correct. Right. When, when we're in the soil, we may move the building next door. When we built One Eleven Barrack, we had a building built in eighteen seventy on one side. You had we the had tunnel. The New York City Subway on the other side. And a we sign. The, 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 the Holland Tunnel on a third side. We literally had to put the facade of the building up from eleven p.m. to four a.m. No, it, but it was incredible. Incredible. A lot project. of work, right? Yeah. So, and a lot, and we went down a hundred feet to bedrock to to put that building. You know, literally drove sixty caissons into bedrock to hold the building up and thirty to hold the building down in the case of an er- earthquake or hurricane. <laughs> right. And so fifty percent of it was to was so, to keep it from falling falling over. Falling over, right? <laughs> so and we're 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 in the ground. So when we're doing renovations, we're not in the ground. Right. And when when you're out of the ground, it's it's manpower, material, and money, right? right? You can you're in control of your your destiny when you're out of the ground. With a renovation project, every time you open a wall, you can find something different. We did a renovation in Jersey City. The developer hadn't had had drop ceilings in the corridor. You remove the drop ceiling, there's no fireproofing between the corridor and the and the apartment. Literally every time you look someplace, you, you find it you, you never problem. know what you're gonna find, and your costs can 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 go through the roof that way. And that's the situation when you're doing renovation. So while you don't have the risk of being in the ground, you have the risk of unknowns and you know, maybe it balances out in the end. We hope so. This is our first office to to, to Resi conversion and it's an experiment. It's it's an o- only a seventy thousand square foot building. Well, it's a nice size building. Not bad for a start, right? But right. it's really this exercise to get our crews trained, our feet wet, our mindset, getting a team together to to be able to do this well, because there's more coming.
0: Right. And and, and 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 also from from that part of it, you know, even design, we've we've uh We've thrown our name in the hat to be part of the uh, revisions to the building code. Right. One of one of uh, uh, Lauren Babiak at our office. We've uh, we've asked uh, the building department. They were uh, looking for uh, subject matter experts to be part of the new code. And I'm curious to see how they're going to try to adapt the zoning and the building code to incentivize this. You know, protect the people that are going to live there. Protect the firemen that have to come fight that fire. God forbid in the future, and still make it a safe place right. for for the people to live and 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 for it to to work for the developer to promote this. And you know, for us, it's a learning curve, right? When we first got to when we first got to Williamsburg, there was this. You know, whole new zoning, and and everybody thought they knew it until you put it on paper and went to the building department, and you realized, well, they're not interpreting that the way we think. Right. And we did townhouses, and we did this, and we did that, and we did terraces, and, and every so, I, I'm you know, that is uncharted waters. Uh, you know, are they going to use the Article Seven B of the Multiple Dwelling Law to to do these conversions? Are they going to uh, are they going to create so, you know, we're
1: relying on that. Yes, yes. we're yeah. still relying on so, Article Seven B. So 7B, again, you you
0: you. You know, just like me starting a podcast about the New York City Building Department and code and zoning and construction. You know, you're a pioneer right now because hopefully you acquire the site and we're going to work together and and get the approval. But we're going to be up against some challenges because they don't have experience. Right. The plan examiner, and that's no fault of theirs. Right. But like you said, there's going to be a a flood of this to happen. You're not the only, you know, I know you're a smart guy, Luke, very smart, but but you're not you're not the only game in town, right? You know, there's of there's course. gonna be other developers that are trying to do the same exact
1: thing. Um I, I think that, you know, we have a we have a host of challenges in the city, right? I you know one of them I think is the biggest challenge that we're facing, and we've we've faced it a long time and it's only gotten worse, is no one wants to be in our industry. Right. <laughs> we are we are in a situation where a lot of businesses are having a shortage of manpower oh, we, right even in our industry at, at this point dying no, breed no one wants to pour concrete for a living no. you know we, everyone wants to be you know running cameras and being media people or be an app programmer and oh no, they come out of school and say no i want to be a mason tender or, i want to be a carpenter Correct. we just just don't have the skilled labor and so we we dumb down designs and we find places where we can factory manufacture finishes so that we don't have to rely on skilled labor on site to do it. Yes. That's
0: going to it's a, it's definitely um you know from the from the few contractors that I speak to that do union work, you know, they do a lot of government work and they're saying that the apprenticeship program is they cannot find young men and women to come in and in anyone, whether you talk to the plumbing union, you talk to the electrical union, you talk—it is incredibly difficult. Uh, so there's no doubt that that uh, labor is a problem throughout the city. And in, a, in a, or you go to a restaurant, people complain. You know, I went to dinner a few weeks ago here in Williamsburg, and a friend of mine owns a restaurant. They got a big place. I'm like, you said you were booked tonight. There's thirteen open tables. They're like, Sister, we could We have. We have the chef. Right. We don't have staff. That's right. And they're paying for that square footage, and then we want to understand why you know these, you know, this commercial real estate is at an all time low of empty, you know, of, uh, um, at an all time high of empty spaces. I was reading something a few weeks ago that talked about with today's technology, today's products, today's information based world, where you can see things that. They use in a product in Germany or they use it in Switzerland that how the cost of construction has not come down because the products have gotten better. And it was very interesting that it actually has gotten more expensive. Correct. And when when I read that, I was like, you know, you think about them building the Empire State Building, right? And then you think about them building a building today, and there's so much better technology. There's infrared to see if you got a leak and this. Back then, a guy went around, and he looked to see if there was water coming in the building. Now they can scan a whole building and let you... And yet, it costs more, and I'm not sure we're putting out a better product.
1: I really think that's because of the shortage of qualified Labor force and and management for that labor and and operators of those companies. You know we build mostly, not exclusively, but mostly non union, and you know the non union guys, they they have one or two managers who can manage four or five people, maybe six, and they really can't manage more than that. Right. And so their capacity to do work is limited by not having qualified management, not having qualified workers, Labors. and we, we, between the two, we're stuck with. Having to build a low a low quality product that's dumbed down, and having high prices because materials. I and not non materials, but there's only like three plumbers I trust. Right. And so they know what each other. They they know what they're charging, and you know they can charge a higher premium. Absolutely. So Lou, uh, to end the second podcast, first of all, I'd like to thank you
0: very much for coming down and speaking to us, and uh, and speaking to you know speaking to New York City. You know, uh, you're a fabric in New York City like myself. Um, you
1: know, been around a long time doing it, and, and we love it. The the corruption that once existed is not here. It's really not here anymore. It really is a lot of a lot in in the non-union world. It's a lot of small business people trying to do the best they can. Absolutely. In a in a tough environment, and so in in a lot of ways, it's a better industry. It's incredibly fulfilling. And the pay is pretty good. It's, if you if you don't know what to do with your life, become a plumber or a carpenter or open an engineering company. Absolutely. And it's a great fulfilling life. Well, it's been a pleasure. Luke. Same here. Thanks so